We want to welcome our viewing audience to the Word Ministry, the teaching ministry of Providence Worshiping Arts Center out here on Highway 341 North in Jessup. Uh, it's just a big metal building on the left, got a flashing sign in front of it. Drop by and visit with us on Friday or Wednesday. You'll be glad you did. Boy, I tell you what, <clears throat> I had a real crappy day Wednesday. I shared that information with you. Um, but Wednesday was the worst day of my week. Okay? It's gotten continually better since Wednesday. How about that? Now, I'm going to share a couple things with you tonight. And uh, I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love chapter. And uh, before I read that, I just want to share about something that happened to me today. Two things, actually. Uh, one was, you know, you never know during the course of your day when you're going to have an encounter with somebody that'll really be a high point where either you'll be able to witness to them or they'll be able to witness to you or you can witness to each other and just have a real good time. Today, <coughs> the bug man come to work. Okay? Uh, I won't say what company he works for, but they wear white uniforms. They got these little, little things up here and they got a, like a diamond thing right here. Okay? And they, this is a nationally known pest control company. And their purpose at my job is to keep out the rats, the roaches, and the birds. Okay? And so they have to come every month and reset the traps and check the stuff, you know. Matter of fact, we only found, only found one rat this whole month. Isn't that great? That's a, hey, that's, I, and you should see where we, you should see where our house is, our, our workplace. It's in the middle of a big old field by a pecan orchard. Not only have we killed all the rats in our place, we've killed the rats in the subdivision that's beside us. And they're very great. The ladies over there are happy, okay? The, 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 this little man's doing a real good job. How we got started talking about this, I do not know. <clears throat> because the conversation started off on a subject that was really depressing. But it kind of worked into something like this. He got up. He was, he was using one of our spare desks, and I was over here. And we were talking, and he just got up, and I don't know where it came from. But he started talking about how good God's been to him, okay? And we then began to talk about, he was sharing with me a little bit of his faith, and he was in a hurry, he had to go. And um, he said, and I, he, he was saying some things, and I knew this guy, he was sort of non-traditional. And uh, when I got an opportunity, I asked him, so where do you go to church at? He said, I'm a Methacostal. And I, I knew exactly what he was talking about. You know, he's a Methacostal. And uh, we began, he began to talk a little bit about his experiences coming up and how uh, he, was sort of, he was sort of an out-of-the-box kind of guy and how his experiences didn't really lend itself to traditional church and, and how you know, he had some uncommon thought processes concerning theology and God and his Christian faith in general. <clears throat> and we got to talking. And I made a statement about about people and just observing folks and hearing in their voice a reflection of their character. And he said, well, say that again. And so this is what I said. I said, yes, I said, I, said, I watch people. I said, I'm a student of how people respond in various different circumstances. And I've come to discover that the things that surround their life what they say 
the way they project themselves in many cases is just a facade. I said it's very much, I said, for example, I said if a person uh, curses real bad, I said, I just look beyond that. And I try to, I just try to listen to hear, now this may seem crazy to you, okay, but I said I just look beyond that and I try to get that person over a period of time to a place where we can talk and I can hear the fabric of their character and what's in their heart rather than what comes out of their mouth. And his eyes kind of perked up because I said I have discovered whether it is vulgarity, whether it is alcohol, whether it would be um, immorality or whether it would be um, just whatever. I said, I've discovered that those things generally mask who people really are. And those things make up the fabric like what they would have on their clothes. And I said, if you listen long enough and if you, if you don't prejudge people, you actually come to a place where you can, you can discover what their character really is. And I said, sometimes those things are simply manifestations of the pain that they've endured and that they suffered. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? He said, I have never heard anybody say anything like that before. He said, that's the way I think. And he said, you know what? He said, he said and we, he talked about, he went back, he reverted sort of to his church thing. He said, you know, he said, he said I've heard people all kinds of church people talk about their faith and, and this one would, would make a case for different points of their pet theology. And I'm going to just tell you just exactly what he said. he said. He said some people would talk about once saved, always saved, and some people would talk about you could lose your salvation. He said, he, said they could take, he said they could take good ground and argue it, he said, but they seemed to miss the point. He said they seemed to miss the point that it's not really about your points of theology and it's not really about where you live and it's not really about all the trappings of your life he said really he said people need to understand that it's really just about the love of God he said because when you condense everything down into a nutshell he said the word from one end to the other is not about all these different things and it's not about prejudging people and it's not about all that he said he said the word talks about how much God loves us you know and I said, boy, that's wonderful. It's about how much God loves us. And I stand before you tonight to tell you that whatever your disposition happens to be in terms of theology or in terms of uh, the tenets of your Christian faith, whatever they happen to be, that's all well and good. That's all well and good. But at the end of the day, not only does it have to be about you receiving and understanding the love of God, but it also has to be about you interpreting that and you responding to it and giving it out just like you received it. Just like you received it. Not to add anything to it, not to take anything away from it. Let's read 1 Corinthians 13. <clears throat> Paul says, now he just got through off of a, of a long treatise about spiritual gifts. He said, I may speak in the tongues of men, even angels. But if I lack love, I have become merely blaring brass or cymbal clanging. Now, the new King James says, if I have not love, then I become as a tinkling cymbal and clanging brass or something to that effect. 
What he's saying there is, you know, lots of stuff can come out of my mouth. It can be cute, it can be coy, it can be clever, it can be wonderful, it can be rosy, it can bring tears to your eyes. Okay, all kinds of stuff can come out of my mouth. But if I don't possess, and this is the way it works, if I don't actually possess love, then whatever comes out of my mouth means absolutely zero. Let me tell you what, I'll tell you what it would sound like, okay? I have got an excellent, excellent visual and audio aid. I can be so eloquent. I can be so full of myself that if I did not have love, all the words in the world would just sound like this. That was really cute, wasn't it? Now I want to take that a step further. When I play the drums, I'm just a glorified timekeeper. I, there's not much drummer to me. Okay? But you can take somebody who knows what they're doing, who is gifted, and who can play the drums. They can, they can play the drums, the snares, the tom-toms, the the mounts, everything they've got, all this stuff up there, they can take it and they can hit the cymbals and the hi-hats and they can make those things perfectly fit in to a beautiful melody if they have the gift and the anointing to do that. Okay? It just all fits in. If you don't have the gift or anointing or, or, or if you try to play by yourself, it comes out awful. Now, that's, that's the illustration that Paul uses here. I think I think what the world is looking for is they're looking for something that is out of, out of the Christian corner. They're looking for something that is genuine, that is real, that doesn't play by itself, that doesn't make an odd noise, but actually complements the unseen symphony or the unheard symphony that's all around us in the kingdom. And when, when that person, if it's you or if it's me or if it's someone else, when that person is able to possess the gift and the anointing, the love of Jesus, and is able, when they actually possess that and they express it, then that joins in to this witness to the person that it's real. Because what you say, if it bears witness to what's going on in the spirit realm, in the kingdom, if it bears witness with that, if it's, if it's in a melodic place, then although this person can't really 
see or hear the kingdom, but when you speak out of a motivation of love and when you possess that, all of a sudden everything goes whoosh, whoosh. And people say, wow, you know, that's, that's what I've been waiting to hear. That's what I needed to hear. And this young boy that you gave testimony to about who came last Wednesday night, this young boy, you know, whenever he heard those words spoke that came from a motivation, an anointing of, of the love of Jesus, when he heard those spoke, just whoosh, there it was. You know, the kingdom all came together in one place and the person of Jesus was expressed out of someone's voice and it went straight to this little dude's heart. Now, you see, this is, this is, what, we're, this is what we're after here. And this is what God is after. This is what Jesus came and died for. He didn't, come, he didn't come and die for us just to fool around with this stuff. He came, he lived, he died, and he rose again so that we might join in this symphony, this kingdom symphony, and change the lives of people and speak to their hearts. But you can't do that and have any effect if, if it's not motivated by the same love that gave it. You see? And I probably expressed that in a different way than what you've heard it before, but that's the way this deal works. You know, we have to understand that we've got to be in sync with the love of God to be able to express the love of God and it have effect in the lives of people. And boy, did I get my cookie crumbled today. Now, as two things happened today, I had this great conversation with the pest dude. Now, now we, we sang tonight about uh, the Wild Wild West. Now, that was different, okay? I wonder when we're going to do hip-hop here. You know? I keep waiting for the day we do hip-hop. Well, tonight we did country. We never done country. I didn't realize we'd never done country, but we didn't. Now, really, it wasn't really, really country, but it was as close as we could get, you know? But one day we're going to do hip-hop, and I'm going to be here to see it. I'm going to observe that day, okay? But anyway, I've often said that I work in the wild, wild west. And I've given you some stories about what happens at the place where I work. And it's, you know, it's, it's not as bad as it was. It's kind of calming down a little bit. But when I first went there uh, several weeks ago, you know how when you meet people and you have people tell you about, they'll say, hey, let me tell you about this, this one right here. You know, this one does so and so and so and so and so and so and this is the way they really are and, and don't be fooled because you can't trust them. They'll lie to you. La, 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 la. Well, that happened when I went to work. You know, I had some well-intending people begin to fill me in about different people. And one of the people that I was filled in concerning, um, there's no graceful way to say this, he's a bisexual. All right, now, let's be real clear here. I was raised a country boy. Mm -hmm. I was raised a country boy. Wore work boots, blue jeans, and white t-shirt, tractor cap, chewed tobacco. Drank a lot of beer, listened to country music, drove an old beat-up truck. 
I hunted the deer and the rabbits. I fished. Lived in the country. I was sort of established in a particular tradition of life in the South. And I used to love Elton John's music till I found out who he was. Matter of fact, I not only stopped buying his uh, eight-track tapes, I took every one I could find and I threw them away when I discovered who he was. Okay, that's, the kind of, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of place I came from. Now, that was a long time ago, and I've come a long way. But you know how old prejudices are hard to come, overcome. And when I heard this, this Mexican dude was a bisexual, something in me just, it just didn't sit well. Okay? And I didn't like him. As a matter of fact, we got crossed up one day. The word from the crew leader under shelter was that Javier had quit, had walked off the job. He got mad. And I said, okay, tell you what, this is our opportunity. I didn't say that, but that's what I thought. This is our opportunity. Javier, is, is, he's done here. He no longer works here. If he comes back asking for a job, don't hire him back because we work through the crew leaders. We have, we have delegated authority. Okay, Don't hire him back. Got rid of one problem. Well, Javier came back, asking for his job back, and I said, Javier, I said, uh, Antonio said you quit. No, 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 I want my job back. No, no, I want my job. I said, no, I said, you don't work here anymore. And I, left, I turned around and walked off, left him, left it alone. And then um, later on that day, Antonio came to me, and he said, you know, he said, uh, he said, eh, he just, he kind of, he just, eh, he said, I think I'll give him one more chance. I said, okay, it's you and your red wagon. I said, if you want to do that, you go ahead and do it. So he gave Javier a second chance. I found out that Javier is married to this, uh, she's really a, a, a very nice Mexican lady. They're younger people, probably in their late 20s, early 30s. Got three little babies, three little kids. Javier didn't come to work on... Uh, Tuesday of this week, I found out yesterday, he didn't come to work, I knew he wasn't there, but I didn't know why, Javier went with his wife to the doctor, and Javier's wife was going to find out if she had ovarian cancer, and Javier came back to work today, and I, I saw him, and I went over to where he was at, and I said, Javier, his, his, uh, his, his wife, his name, she's actually, her name is Monica. I said, Javier, I said, how is Monica? What did the doctor say? And he said, the doctor said she had cancer. I said, where? And he said, he said, right here. I said, ovarian cancer? He said, see. Yes. I looked over at Javier, and I saw him a little differently than I'd ever seen before, okay? And I looked at Javier, and, and most Mexicans are Catholic. That's their, that's their faith origin in most cases. And I looked at Javier, and I said, Javier, do you have a priest? And he did this. 
he kind of, his head fell down. And he said, no, don't have a priest. And I had found out during the conversation that on Monday at 10 o'clock, they go to see an, an oncologist to find out what they need to do. And I said, Javier, I said, what time is your appointment Monday? He said, 10 o'clock. I said, could you bring Monica by here before you go so I can pray for her? And he looked up and he smiled and he said, yes, see. The point here I'm making, I think there's probably several points. Number one, don't ever get too big for your britches and think you are something that you are not. Don't ever think that you are beyond a prejudice or a bent or an ill thought. Don't ever think that you're so far gone and spiritual, you're so far advanced till you don't prejudge somebody because I'm telling you, that old stuff will come back in a hurry and it'll meet you on your front porch. So don't ever do that. Second thing is, always remember that people, people don't need a lecture. People don't need a sermon. You know what people need? People need Jesus. One person may need to be healed from ovarian cancer. One person may need to be uh, healed from rejection. One person may, be delivered, may need to be delivered from demons. Another person just may, may need to have a heart-to-heart -heart with Jesus and lose some of their fleshly tendencies. And I could just go on. You know, one person uh, may, have a, may have an addiction that they need to be delivered of. You know, it could go on and on and on. And I'm going to tell you something. Those people don't need preaching to. The only thing they need is they need a receptacle they need a vessel of the Holy Spirit simply to, to be Jesus to them, to wear the cowboy boots. They need somebody somewhere to say something kind to them and to respond to a need in their life. And you don't have to be brilliant to do that. You just have to be attentive and you just have to, you just have to follow the open doors that the Holy Spirit will open for you. And you do that every day. You do it at home. You can do it at work. You can do it on the telephone. You can do it at Walmart. You can do it at Harvey's, you know. You can do it at your doctor's office. You can, you can do it uh, at a lawyer's office. You can, you can do it any, You can do it on a sidewalk when you meet somebody. I'm telling you now, people just need to run into somebody who has, who possesses love. You see, the expression of our faith is not a difficult task. It's really a very easy thing. You know who makes it difficult? We do. Because we bought into the idea that, that uh, in order for us to be able to exercise a gift that we have or to walk in our calling, that we've got to go to church for 10 years and we've got to, um, we've got to go to class and then we've got to sit there and then we've got to figure all this stuff out. And all that time, as water goes under the bridge, we're just missing opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Just just to show somebody the love of Jesus. You know what I'm believing for? I'm believing for when Monica walks in my office on Monday morning and I lay hands on her and I pray for her, I'm believing that when she gets to her doctor's office, she is no longer going to have any cancer. She's going to be cancer-free. 
Because the last time I called somebody into my office and prayed for them, the cancer went away. Okay? And you know what? I didn't do a thing. It was just Dr. Jesus. You see, I happen to believe in the miraculous and the supernatural, and I happen to believe he is who he says he is, and he does exactly, specifically what he says he will do. And I happen to believe in delegated authority. I believe that the power and authority of Jesus has passed down from generation to generation, from believer to believer, from heart to heart, spirit to spirit. He's still alive and well today. And as a matter of fact, he's doing more stuff today than he ever has in the history of the human race. Regardless of whether we know about it or not. He does some of his best work. And we don't even know about it. <laughs> See? But unless you possess, and unless you are the receptacle of his love, I'm just going to tell you, all the stuff in the world ain't going to do you a drop of good or nobody else. It's got to be the love of Jesus. Let's go a little further. I may have the gift of prophecy. I may fathom all mysteries, know all things. In other words, what he's saying here, I may be a know-it-all. Have all faith, enough to move mountains, but if I lack love, I am nothing. In other words, if I don't possess it, I'm not a thing. I'm nothing, you know. Boy, that says something, doesn't it? I may give away everything that I own. I may even hand over my body to be burned, but if I lack love, I gain nothing. I prosper nothing. Love is patient and kind, not jealous, not boastful, not proud, not rude or selfish, not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not gloat over people's sins. Boy, that hit me today. But takes its delight in the truth. Love always bears up, always trusts, always hopes, always endures. And you may be sitting there thinking, you may be watching today on your television, you're saying, boy, that's not been my experience with love. Love has really left behind dry. It has disappointed me. It has hurt me. La, 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 la. You know what? It ain't been the love of God that's failed you. It's been either the love of something else or someone else's love, but it ain't been Jesus' stuff. Because every time I've needed Jesus' stuff, every time I've needed his love, it's never failed. Isn't that wonderful? And someone may say, that's just not been my experience. Everything's been wrong. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, that's probably true. There are people who have not tasted of the love of God and the love of Jesus. And if that's you here tonight or if that's you watched on the TV, uh, there's one very simple way to solve that problem, and that is you just ask him to give his love to you, and he will. He'll do that. Sometimes he'll just flood into a person's life and overwhelm them with his love simply out of an act of graciousness and, and um, just because he's God. And then other times he likes to hear you ask for it. He doesn't necessarily work the same way twice. It's whatever you happen to need and whatever you happen to be desirous of. Okay? Love never ends, but prophecies will pass. Tongues will cease. Knowledge will pass, for our knowledge is partial and our prophecies are partial, but when that which is perfect is come, the partial will pass. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, argued like a child, and now that I've become a man, I've finished with my childish ways. For now we see obscurity in a mirror, 
but then face to face. Now I know partly, then I will know fully, just as God has fully known me. But for now, three things last. Trust, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And he ends with this word, pursue love. The love of God will surprise you. But it'll never fail you. Never. In your hour of greatest need, you'll never be disappointed. Don't you know what he'll let you do? In the mix of all that stuff and in the, in the size of whatever you're involved in, he'll even give you opportunities to kick and scream and throw fits and beg and cry and all kinds of stuff. Shake your fist, but you know what? He loves you anyway. Maybe you just need to get all that out of your system. Maybe you just need to have a good screaming fit. Sometimes that, sometimes that works, you know. Sometimes in order to receive the love of God, you've got to get your self-pity out. And he's good about letting you do that. But the thing is, is it never fails. Never fails. Let's all just, uh, let's, let's just close our eyes and just sit tight for just a second. Now, we're going to do something here. Just, um, just start to let the walls down in your life. If you, if, you know, everybody needs a good, good kiss from God every day. And if you haven't had one today, you need to get yours right now. Um, just begin to relax and just open yourself up to the Lord. And God, uh, I just ask you right now to begin to flood the hearts and the spirits and the souls of this people, whether they're watching on television or whether they're in this room today. To just, just receive a kiss from God right now. Just Let's do that for a few minutes. Guys, we need a touch. But you can ask him in. Just uh, invite him. Lord, come into me. Lord, just fill the cracks and the crevices and heal the wounds, Lord, of those who've been injured by people who profess themselves to be Christians but who really weren't. Or maybe they were Christians, but they were wounded themselves, and so they just ministered woundedness. So Lord, just, just minister right now and heal the pains and expand yourself in us. Remove the scars. <coughs> And release joy and warmth. And zeal. I need a fresh dose of zeal, God, so uh, just send me some zeal. 
I, I see in my spirit, I, I see a tree stump of an older, an older tree, and uh, it's just been cut down. And the tree is, the, the upper portion of the tree is no longer around. All that's left is the stump. And I think what Lord's saying in that is that, uh, I think he's talking to an adult here. And he's just simply saying that, you know, you were, you were strong and you were growing. And, uh, and, and something cut you down. But God wants you to know that it's not over and that life will spring back from that, from that stump. And another tree will grow. As a matter of fact, there'll be more than one tree grow from that stump. There'll be several trees grow from your stump. So just let him nurture the new growth in your life. Don't turn away from him, whoever you are. Nurture the new growth that's going to come up around you. It's going to spring forth from the roots that's been established. Just let the thing grow. Don't cry over yesterday. The secret is going to be forgiveness for those that's cut you down. When you forgive those, then that new growth will grow quickly. And the end result will be much grander than the beginning. That's contrary to what we would think, but I'm telling you, that's what I hear the Lord saying.